Welcome into episode number 12 of the Woodpeckers Baseball Podcast, the episode spanning the week of July the 26th through August the 1st. I'm Matt Dean, broadcaster and communications coordinator for the Fayetteville Woodpeckers, the Advanced A affiliate of the Houston Astros. We hope everybody is staying safe, staying healthy, uh, and then enjoying the baseball that, that we've had on this last week. It's been a treat. We've kept this podcast mostly focused uh, on the action going on on the field, uh, a look ahead to next season for the Woodpeckers uh, and highlighting some top moments of the 2020 season. Uh, it's been nice to have the distractions uh, to see something uh, outside of the global pandemic and everything else going on, but uh, you can't really ignore it right now. Recording this podcast uh, on Friday morning of the 31st uh, and more uh, COVID issues popping up in Major League Baseball. That's at the front of the headlines in the sports world, of course, this week. Uh, the Marlins, everybody knew, uh, were not going to play this week. After now, uh, As of now, it's 19 positive tests between the Marlins team and staff. So their, season, uh, their series against the Nationals, through the weekend at least, uh, has been postponed for now. Uh, as of this morning, uh, two additional pieces of news on that front. The Marlins, of course, opened up the season in Philadelphia playing the Phillies. The Marlins are still sequestered in their hotel rooms in Philly. The Phillies, out of an abundance of caution, also have had their games through the weekend postponed. And then as of this morning... Two non-player cases have been confirmed on the Phillies team, two staff members. Uh, that was reported uh, per Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic. So the Phillies, we're not sure when they're going to get back on the field uh, anytime soon. And then the latest piece of news, as we're recording it here on Friday morning, the Brewers-Cardinals game at Miller Park postponed tonight because of a positive case on the Cardinals uh, that has just been reported as well today. So the Blue Jays uh, aren't on the schedule today, uh, but Toronto does have a new series that was scheduled to start tomorrow, Saturday, against the Phillies. Because it's against the Phillies, that game won't be going on. The Blue Jays were already trying to figure out where they would be playing until they can head to Buffalo, where they're expected to play their home games this year uh, in the medium term. So the schedule for Saturday in Major League Baseball right now, we're assuming the Cardinals and Brewers don't play the rest of the weekend. 20% of the league will not be on the schedule on Saturday with six teams sitting out uh, because of uh, at least one uh, of those three matchups has a team involved with some COVID cases right now. It was a fun week uh, to start the baseball season, and uh, particularly for our fans in Fayetteville, the Astros uh, have had a lot of question marks. We talked about it with Jake Kaplan, at least on the pitching side with depth. Justin Verlander, it was initially reported, would be out for the season by the Houston Chronicle. He later came out on social media, Dusty Baker reinforced this in a press conference, that he expects to return at some point this year. So what was an elbow issue that at first was reported to be uh, out for the season type of outlook, uh, it now appears that there is a chance, at least uh, in the words of Justin Verlander, that he could return this year. A lot of bullpen rolls open, and a lot of former Fayetteville Woodpeckers took advantage of those open opportunities and ran with it. 
Four Fayetteville Woodpeckers made their debuts in the last week, including three on the Astros. And we've got to start with Christian Javier, who turned some heads on Wednesday, a member of the inaugural Woodpeckers team. It was his second major league appearance, but his first major league start, uh, which would have been Verlander's spot, I believe, on Wednesday. He goes out and fires five and two-thirds innings, gives up one run, and strikes out eight to start his first major league start faces Max Muncy, Mookie Betts, and Cody Bellinger, two former MVPs, three perennial All-Stars, strikes all three of them out uh, en route to a fantastic outing for Javier. He came out in the second, got Justin Turner to fly out, and then gave up a home run and a fastball to the North Carolina native Corey Seager, the only hiccup on the night for Javier, who tossed a scoreless inning in his debut on Friday night for the Astros. Other right-handers, uh, all Dominicans from the Woodpeckers last season. Anoli Paredes threw a scoreless outing on opening night for the Astros at Minute Maid Park against the Mariners. His second outing, not quite as good, but still a memorable week for Paredes. And then Nivaldo Rodriguez, who was added to the Major League roster after not making the opening night roster. Two scoreless innings on Tuesday in Nivaldo Rodriguez's Major League debut. The Astros have now already had six rookies make their Major League debuts on the team this year. It's a young pitching staff, some injuries and guys missing time. Uh, a lot uh, of former Fayetteville arms have had to step up. And we also want to give a shout out, no longer with the Astros organization, uh, but uh, Johan Ramirez made his debut with the Mariners on opening night against the Astros. He was a Rule 5 selection by Seattle last offseason and a fine member of an electric Woodpeckers pitching staff in 2019. Man, what a debut for Christian Javier, though. It, one, two, three sends down Muncy, Betts, and Bellinger, all with strikeouts uh, in his first major league start for Christian Javier. So that's kind of the news and notes uh, from opening week from the Woodpeckers' perspective. We're excited for episode number 12 to give you this week. We are continuing to preview ahead onto potential future Woodpeckers. You might see in Cumberland County in the next year or two. And our guest on this episode is the third round draft choice of the Astros last year, an outfielder from the University of Michigan who you might have seen in a great College World Series run by the Big Ten champions last year. He was the Big Ten Player of the Year. Terrific guy, really fun interview. We had so much fun we're just going to roll this one interview for you. It's a little bit of a longer conversation with Astros prospect Jordan Brewer. He was terrific. You're really going to enjoy it on the other side. Before we get to that uh, conversation with Jordan Brewer, we'll give you our Woodpeckers Rewind Moment of the Week, uh, where this week it comes from Tuesday, July the 30th of 2019, highlighting some of the top moments from the inaugural season of Woodpeckers Baseball. Our fans of the ballpark will remember that Forrest Whitley had kind of an underwhelming rehab appearance for the Woodpeckers at Segra Stadium. He would make another rehab outing with the team on the road, and he really turned it around, was terrific. July 30th of last season, Forrest Whitley, in his second and final rehab start with the Woodpeckers, goes five scoreless innings, gives up one hit, and struck out nine without a walk on the road in Wilmington. 
in a Woodpecker's 6-0 shutout win. The Astros' top prospect, Forrest Whitley, punching out nine in a Woodpecker's uniform or Woodpecker's rewind moment from Tuesday, July the 30th of last season. Without further ado, we'll send it to our interview with Astros third rounder and former University of Michigan outfielder Jordan Brewer on the other side in episode number 12 of the Woodpeckers Baseball Podcast. All right, and my guest today was the third-round pick of the Houston Astros in the 2019 draft at a University of Michigan. Uh, he was the 2019 Big Ten Player of the Year in his lone season with the Wolverines, helped Michigan to their first College World Series trip since 1984 last year, uh, and the Astros' number 12 prospect, according to Baseball America, heading into the year. He's coming off his first pro season, got into 16 games with short-season Tri-City last year. Outfielder Jordan Brewer uh, calling in from uh, his hometown in St. Joseph, Michigan, our guest on the Woodpeckers Baseball Podcast. Uh, Jordan, thanks for taking the time to do this. No, thanks for having me. This is awesome. This is, this is nice. Nice to talk about baseball finally. It is. And when we roll this, we'll finally have some Major League Baseball to watch. Uh, it's been great to kind of catch up with a lot of the guys that, that played for the Woodpeckers last season, but I've also been kind of doing some rounds and previewing potential future Woodpeckers. So you're, I think, the third guy I've talked to from last year's draft class. Uh, just giving our fans a little bit uh, of a listen to some of the guys they might see down the road. Um, so just for you, catching up, you're, you're from Michigan. We mentioned your hometown is in St. Joseph. What's the last few months been like for you? Uh, you went to spring training. Where have you been staying, and, and how have you been kind of using this time uh, with with everybody just kind of being locked down at home? Strange time. <laughs> yeah. So I actually I had a crazy, bizarre injury in my left knee. I had, I ripped cartilage off my knee, uh, which is pretty bizarre. When saw our head uh, surgeon down in Houston, got that taken care of, which. The surgery could have worked. It, it was supposed to, you know, like we didn't know what was going to happen. It, it depends how I react because after he took the cartilage out, I had nerves showing under my kneecap. So every time my knee would move, it would get stuck in the groove. It didn't feel good. But he said, well, you can try it. You can get through it. So I tried that, tried doing that for months. So I was down in West Palm since February, trying to get better. Um, wasn't really improving like I was supposed to be. And so – so I talked back to our Houston orthopedic surgeon and talking to him, like he goes, look, we can get this other surgery done, which this will knock it out for good. You'll be good after this one, which was kind of the original plan in the first place. We just want to see how I would react to the first surgery. And so we're like, okay, I had to get on the donor list and everything, but couldn't get a match for cartilage. And then this pandemic hit. And then I was like, okay, I really have to get this done. Like this is the time for me to get this done. I need to do it. Luckily, I got in, got it done, and now I'm 14 weeks out of surgery, and I'm I haven't felt this good ever. So you know, I'm excited to get going, starting to swing again here soon. I'm gonna start running here soon. So you know, it's it's looking up from here. You know, and, you know this this whole COVID stuff has been a blessing disguise for me uh, because I got to recover my body, recoup everything, take away what I learned in my first year of pro ball, um, the different speed of the game, the different atmosphere of the game. 
So, you know, it, 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 a lot has changed this year, but, you know, I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, I mean, that really worked out for you. Like, just got in to surgery right before a lot of stuff started shutting down. Uh, we, I mean, we've talked to a, a few players on this podcast who, you know, initially they, they didn't even have access to places to work out, equipment. So, like, how fortunate do you feel where it's just you got to kind of just sit back and relax, let your body recover, and now this is a great time where you're, you're starting to get back to, to activity and, and working out again. Right, exactly. You no, know, that was that was the best part too. You know, it's like that I really couldn't go out and expose myself to this. Like, I <laughs> the only thing I could do was play Xbox all day. So, sure enough, I played Xbox all day, <laughs> and then I had like a leg machine. I just put my leg in and it bent it to like sixty degrees. I just sat in that all day, watch TV, and play Xbox and eat. So, um, you know, I did that for a couple of weeks, and then luckily, I have a personal trainer back at home. Uh, Ryan Megley and like he helped me out a lot he would bring over equipment that I could use and stuff you know so it was like stuff like that where I could keep my upper body in shape while all this nonsense was going on but then after that you know I luckily I can get into a rehab facility here that my trainers from West Palms send them stuff for me to do uh, to keep my <clears throat> their eyes on me while I do my stuff and then on Tuesday Thursday I FaceTime actually I always have a FaceTime date with my uh, therapist down in West Palm so like he watches me while I do some of these exercises so it, it's different you know but you have to adapt you know you have to you have to figure out what how to make this work no matter what so it's working out so far it's still good yeah it's, it's great to hear that that you're feeling good you've kind of had some uh, injuries in your past you, you were a football player uh, you had some walk-on offers to, to attend Michigan to play football uh, to my uh, alma mater, University of Wisconsin. You had some interest there. I know you visited Madtown. You know, you had a shoulder injury your senior year of high school, and you chose to focus on baseball, uh, and, and that's obviously worked out for your career. My question for you with that, with the football background, when you were, you know, playing three different sports, you also played basketball, uh, how much of a focus like was baseball each year? Like, would you work on baseball skills? Would you train in the off season or was it just, you know, going from football to basketball to baseball? Cause I know football was kind of your number one focus. How often would you play baseball or work on baseball outside of the, the, the season? I see. That's the crazy part. Like I was, <clears throat> a lot of people ask me like, how'd you find time? I loved all three of them equally. And I honestly, didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah, I love football, I love baseball, I love basketball. And I could have went I could have played all three if I wanted to differently off at different colleges and stuff. So I honestly I was in limbo with everything cuz I didn't know what I wanted to do. I loved all of them. Like I couldn't not miss one season. So I was a true whatever like they call it, three sport athlete. I had I loved all three of them. I think baseball really got to me after my that senior game. You know, I really never I always played locally with my friends. Like I always had fun. I always goofed off. I never took the next step when I was younger to play like on a serious travel ball team and get real exposure. Yeah. I went to some like exposure camps, but you know, I didn't really, really focus on it. I really didn't focus on any of them because I was always looking for the next season, looking for the next season. And that's when I went to my junior college. And that's when I really, really fell in love with baseball and really found the passion and, and my body really enjoyed it. <laughs> you know, I wasn't 
hitting people, throwing people, and hurting my body anymore, which I still am today in baseball, sliding and stuff. But, but yeah, when I went to my junior college, that's when I was really, really fell in love with baseball and uh, figure out how to adapt and make myself better as a baseball player and just a human being. It's exciting when you know you start to focus on baseball for these last few years and, and how quickly things can improve for you. I, I read an interview that you'd done previously where you said that you were like watching video of like early in your college career and it's like just tough for you to watch <laughs> like, like your swing. I, I listen to like old broadcasts of myself from like three, four years ago and it, it's, it's tough for me to listen to. <laughs> it's like, I, I actually think who, one of my buddies from high school, actually I was just with him the other day, just, He's like, dude, look at this swing. Look at this thing. Like, it came up on like a memory of his like Snapchat or something. He showed me. I'm like, dude, that, that's awful. Like, that's just like I wanted to go back and just smack myself. It's like, did I? Why was I even doing that? Like, it was it was really bad. But I, you know, it was. I I mean, I had people work with me, but I had people work with me. But the game has also changed in the past couple of years, right? Um, I used my legs. I used to, I was a slap hitter. I literally just used my legs. I get on base. I'd steal third, be on third base. And so that was my job. But I know the, the poles are uh, switching here now. So, you know, I'm starting to use my legs and starting to act like a, like I have a big bat on my shoulder now. So we'll see. Yeah. The, the last thing on the, the multi-sport stuff, it was like the, the Michigan team that you were on was, was so fun to watch in, in the college world series run. Uh, I saw some quotes from from your your head coach there at, at, with the Wolverines. Uh, yourself, uh, Jordan Wogu was another like multi sport guy where he was basically saying he could have played college football. You know, he 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 seemed to kind of target those types of guys who were just like all around athletes, maybe a little raw in baseball. Uh, he said that playing all those sports is just great for development. You get to hear different coaching voices, have different mentalities. What what's kind of your pitch, I guess? for kids out there that are interested in multiple sports yeah so kids ask me all the time i get a lot of messages on instagram and stuff about like should i quit other sports and focus on baseball i say absolutely not absolutely not like back i mean like prime example he's a lot of coaches are going towards the multi-sport athletes because you learn stuff in football that you wouldn't learn in baseball like i was a corner for a little bit in football and you'd have to do backpedal and work which way to turn with the wide receiver, right? It's the same movement as you, you do in the outfield, right? It's the same – or route running. It's this legit the same thing. So I've learned – so I've been really, if you really think about it, crafting my ability to track down a baseball since I was in rocket football, right? And <clears throat> same with basketball. I mean, basketball, you're quick on your feet. You get a quick reaction. You have to figure out which way he's going. Or going up for a ball in um, football or basketball, like a rebound, right? You – you have to figure out the best way to put your body in the best position to get the ball. And I feel like sometimes you can't learn that in baseball without playing these other sports or, and, and just the, like, like I said, like the coaching, the coaching in each sport's different. You learn new coaching stuff in each sport. Like you get different views of different stuff. And so I feel like that helps me out a lot. And I still to this day will tell kids play as many sports as you can because the, you don't you don't get to play them forever. You don't. Yeah. You, you eventually either have to pick one or you just go to school. And if you're fortunate enough, you can play two, which is extremely hard to do. As I talked to multiple people that have done it and are still doing it, 
and it's extremely stressful, but it is possible. But it's multi-sport athletes, I think, are is a gold mine. I really, I think it is. I think, I think that's where 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 it's at. So I always tell the young kids to always play multiple sports. That's if they want to. That's up to them. I don't want to force anything on them or anything. <clears throat> but if they want to focus on one sport, they can do it. But most college coaches like multi-sport athletes. No doubt. Uh, you did end up focusing on baseball, like you said, when you, when you went to community college. Lincoln Trail in Robinson, Illinois. Two-time all-conference player. Like, it's it's I, I've been to central Illinois. There's not a lot going on. It's pretty flat. You, your guys' campus or the field, like, overlooked a, a medium security correctional facility. There's not a lot of stuff to see on the horizon. Like, what is that like? Uh, I, I know, like, a lot of guys have such a positive JUCO experience when it's like, look, it was the first time that it was just all about focusing on baseball. There's not a lot of other stuff going on. So, like, was that great for your development for two years where you're going all in on baseball and that's that's all, that's it? Yeah, so it was funny. I'm on my way down to my visit. I'm from a school that had some money, so we had equipment. We had good stuff. We had good, like, exposure to good equipment and good trainers and everything. They could help us. We had more than one trainer. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was like a little small, small universe. Like, we had resources. Um, we get down there, me and my stepfather, we drove down, uh, we stopped at a gas station. And so I know we were in the middle of nowhere. We just had to go to the bathroom and they wouldn't let us use the bathroom unless if we bought something. I was like, okay. Was, <laughs> I was like, okay. I'm like, okay, we're really out here. So we did that. And then we passed the prison. I was like, okay, that's different. I never seen that before. Got to the school, little school, just like a, like a high school. We got 15 kids, a student. And then. Kevin Bowers, my Juco coach, just gave me the whole spiel of what he's about and what it was about. He straightforward, no being soft about it. He said, look, this is what we have. This is what we can do. And this is how we're going to change you. And so then I'm like, even though I didn't like the appearances, like deep down, I like, okay, I have to be, I know I had to be here if I want to develop as a good baseball player. So me and my stepfather get in the car. It's about five hour drive from St. Joe where I'm at. We didn't talk probably within the first hour, just dead silent on the way home. I took a deep breath and I said, I have to come here. And he goes, absolutely. He goes, I couldn't, I, I didn't know how to tell you, but this is where I think you should be too. And we're like, all right. My mom didn't see it. She was like, she goes, how does he know how moms be like, how's the dorms and stuff? And we're like, it's good. It's good. It's fine. And then the first time she came down to move me in, she's like, oh, absolutely not. So it was pretty funny, but you know, it, it really did shape me out. And I feel like one of the hardest part was too, is going to junior college and most people back at home is, Oh, he's just going to a Juco. He's going to be a washed up athlete. He's going to be done. And all those kids are at big universities going to have fun, going to the college football games, basketball games, going to tailgates and stuff. I don't have that. I literally had a baseball mitt, a ball and a bat and a field and my guys, that's all I had. And so that really hurt me at first, but I, if it wasn't for that hurt, I wouldn't have fell even more in love with baseball. That's when I really fell in love with the baseball and figure out what I wanted to be as a baseball player and who I wanted to be. So, you know, it, it, there has ups and downs to Juco, Juco baseball, but you know, I, I still this day, I'm so blessed that I went to it. And I, and I hate how Juco has such a bad rep to it because it, 
it really isn't that it's not even that bad it really is if you if you put your head down and do it it's completely fine like i still talk to all my juco guys today so i absolutely love it i really like your your stepdad like waiting you out for an hour to just get your honest opinion about the place that that was cool and then i mean you you talked about baseball changing and i mean people see juco as a legitimate route sometimes even a better route to, to get to pro ball yeah yeah you know, I just wanted it for a stepping stone. I was actually never thinking of pro ball. I wasn't thinking of pro ball out of high school. You know, I, yeah, I had some scouts come look at me in high school pro ball, but I just wanted to go play at a high division one school. That was, that was legit my overall goal. Like if I made it there, I'm thank you. Like that's all I needed. I started working with more coaches. People start more looks and I'm like, they're like, yo, this is, this could happen, dude. Like you, you can make your dream a reality. And so, and sure enough, it did. So, you know, I, I'm yeah, I'm blessed to all the stepping stones I had, all the struggles I had, because it made me into the man I am and the ball player I am today. Yeah, you spent two years at Lincoln Trail. You said you kind of wanted to use it as a stepping stone to get to a big program. You go to Michigan. Uh, I, the from what I've heard from some some other interviews you've done, like the this, the pitch was from Michigan. It was like, okay, you're going to be one of six outfielders competing for a job. You were, you know, just basically showing up to campus and trying to compete. You end up being Big Ten Player of the Year. So, like, was that you? You just kind of wanted to go to a big school, and 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 then you had a chance to compete for a job. What was that like? Yeah. So basically, package came down. And we have two restaurants. We have Walmart or Subway. I said, where do you want to go? Or Taco Bell, I'm sorry. I'm like, where do you want to go? And he started laughing. He goes, let's go to Subway. I was like, all right. And I knew he was serious about it because he drove from Michigan. It's probably six and a half, seven hours. So I was like, and he came down as a head coach coming down to watch one player. So yeah. that's like, it's a big sign. I'm like, all right, cool. So, you know, I'm out there probably, you know, at Juco, you get ready like maybe 15 minutes before the game. I'm out there an hour before getting my arm moves, you know, stretched out, getting all those. You know, I got, yeah, I got to show him what I got. And this is the first time he's actually ever saw me play. He saw me play, and then we went and sat down, and he goes, look, I'm going to be real with you. We want you. We have six other outfielders. I just started smiling. I'm like, okay. He goes, and he kept on repeating it. We have six outfielders. I said, okay, like, dude, I get it. You have six outfielders. He goes, do you want to do this? I'm like, I've been waiting. I'm like, yes, like, let's go, let's go. And he goes, are you sure? Like, we have six outfielders. And I was like, please. I, but I need to be put in that competitive zone to compete with myself and others. Because if I don't do that, if I just went and went to a school, like, I could have just got the starting job, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Uh, there'd be no way. And I felt like as soon as I got – to Ann Arbor, us six outfielders, we were all brothers. Like we all bonded so well and we helped out each other no matter what. It was, yeah, it was a competition to get the starting position, but we all helped each other out to get that spot. So it was really nice. And I actually, before the, before the season, we went to Port St. Lucie. I wasn't even supposed to start. I wasn't even like, and I have never not started in my life. So I called my stepdad. I'm like, I don't know if I'm like, I don't know if I can like star like this is going to be different for me like I'm not going to be able to be out there right away and then a couple of our guys went down two or three two or three guys went down I know like I went down right before we left and I'm sitting there like yo I'm gonna start like they have no choice but to start me so I was like 
I wasn't going to tell my parents because they were coming down. It was the first time. And I was like, I wanted to surprise them. Like, look, I'm starting. But I, the excitement got to me too much. I couldn't hold it back. I called them and I said, you'll never believe what, what just happened. And I'm like, I told them what happened. A couple of guys went down. And like, I'm the last outfielder in line. So I told them, like, I, I'm taking this opportunity. I'm running. I'm never giving it back. And he goes, yep. Hung up. And the rest is history. I felt like if that wasn't the case, I, like I said, I wouldn't be where I am at today because I mean, I mean, those guys have taught me so much and just the amount of competitiveness that we brought out within each other was so unreal. Like you couldn't even compare it. The team was really fun to watch. Ann Arbor is just an awesome college town. Baseball like isn't the number one thing there. Like it's just weird in the Big Ten because it's it's cold at the beginning of the year. You guys play on the road so much, so it's like it's it's hard to like generate buzz about the team when they're not even playing home games early in the year. Like at what point when you guys are in the NCAA tournament run, you're like going back to Ann Arbor between rounds, like after the regional, after the super regional. Like when was like the hype building, and like when did you like really see like Ann Arbor just like open up and and go baseball crazy? What do you remember about that? Yeah, so we actually didn't come home after the regional, if I remember correctly. I'm pretty sure we didn't come home after the regional. So we we were in Corvallis, so we're like we might as well just go straight to UCLA. So we left the UCLA, but after UCLA, when we got off the bus, I mean our stadium was packed, and we're all like. <laughs> like whoa like where'd you guys go like what is going on like come on now and so I feel like that was that was the time where like it really hit Ann Arbor's like you know our baseball team's legit and so like we would go out and practice and we'd have five six camera guy like camera crews out there we have people watching us practice and then you'd walk to go to Potbelly to get a sandwich and you're getting stopped to getting talked to by the students and stuff. And so that, that was really awesome. You know, it's, it's to finally, like, I think we broke it for the big 10. Like, I feel like we were like, you know, these kids, these cats can play up North. Like we should give them more attention. And I mean, for actually for all the Midwest, you know, like we really put on for the Midwest. I feel like that was like huge motivation for us was not just for ourselves, it's for the Midwest. We're representing the Midwest because we do not get any love at all. Like with recruiting, uh, playing, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we play in the cold. Like, that is us. And so it, I, after the Super Regional, that's when Ann Arbor really erupted that, like, that we were going to the World Series. So that was, that was awesome. Yeah, one of the things, too, that was really cool, I think that a lot of people latched on to with, with the Wolverines was – your head coach said, like, we want our team to look like the United States of America. He said he gave a lot of, you know, he, he did a lot of recruiting for uh, guys from the inner city who maybe don't always get a lot of looks. Uh, you're proud of your Native American heritage. Uh, a lot of people just, it, it was a team, it was the Michigan Wolverines, but there were guys from all over the country and guys from different kind of backgrounds. And uh, exactly. people were really excited about that. Like, how big was that for your guys' team identity? Exactly. You know, I feel like, if the University of Michigan can pick everywhere out from the United States, color, race, whatever, and get along and put a run on like we did, then the whole United States can do it. You know what I mean? It's a, we, we can do it. And I feel like 
people are missing the big picture that we're all equal. We're all one. And that's sad. And that's what our coach really took away and really taught us. He's like, we weren't, yeah, so what? He's from the inner city. Yeah, so what? He's from SoCal. So what? He's from Ann Arbor. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the Ann Arbor guy didn't get more love than the inner city kid. The inner city kid didn't get more love than the SoCal guy. You know, so it was, we all got yelled at. We all got treated the same, you know? And so, like, we all had the same punishment if we got in trouble. If we lost a game, like, our inner squads, we would always run like our – that was the thing. Like, if you lose, you're running. And so that really made it competitive. And so, like, we're all running. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, and that's what I really enjoyed about it. Like, you know what I mean? There was no politics in it. It was just straight baseball. And that's what it should be. You know, it was, it was, it was awesome. You, too, I mean, just had – a massive season breaking out uh, with Michigan. You said you basically used to be a slap hitter at, at Lincoln trail. Uh, baseball's changing. You're, you're tapping it a little bit more power. What, what kind of adjustments were you making to your swing that, that helped you break out? And like, how has that continued to evolve in pro ball? Yeah. So high school, I was, I was the pro dominant slap hitter. And then I went to Juco and then I started using my legs a little bit. You know, I had really, wasn't using my legs in my literally the first week I started hitting at Michigan. They're like, dude, like why aren't our hitting coach snobble because he goes, Why aren't you using your legs? I'm like, what are you talking about? Because use your legs. You got big legs, use them. You're fast. It, you should be able to have power behind it. I'm like, all right, whatever. And I started using it. I was like, oh my gosh, I can hit the ball far. And I just started just kept on practicing. So I, I'm still I'm still Bambi at hitting right now. Like, you know, I, I, did, I actually did terrible in New York. Like, I'm still learning new stuff. I'm like, I'm still – I'm a raw baseball player. I still have so much to learn, and that's what I'm so excited about. That's what I am so pumped up about, to just listen to all, like, the big league guys and just getting hints from the former Woodpeckers. You know what I mean? Just just listening to see what advice they have and what has helped them in the future. Like, in the past of how they got to the, where they are. And so that's, uh, you know, I'm beyond excited to start working on that again. As soon as I can start, start hitting here soon, I can, I'm, I'm on it. I'm, I'm so pumped up for it. Now that the 2020 season's canceled, like looking back, like how grateful are you that you got even just a little bit of an experience in pro ball last year, you got in 16 official games, like getting, I mean, you're still in touch with coaches and stuff, but like how important was it for you to maybe not even just like the on-field instruction, but getting used to the lifestyle, just getting a taste of what minor league baseball is life. Like how, how grateful are you for that in retrospect now with the season canceled this year? Yeah. So like when I was at my junior college, I never, I've never played summer ball, like college summer ball, like where you play every day. Mm -hmm. I never wanted to do that because I, I don't know if I could have done it because I wasn't in love with it yet. Like, I don't know if I could literally play every day. And this year was the first year. And minor league ball is like, you play, you're at the field from 8 in the morning till 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night every day. And so that that was really new for me. I struggled at first. And then once I got to know the guys more and I could hang out with the guys more, I it started getting easier and easier. And just the game – the game style is different. You know, college ball is completely different than pro ball. That was hard for me. Like it's back to my Juco days where like, you just got to grind it out. You just got to grind it out. You got to get it done. So that was difficult for me too, because now I'm used to Michigan baseball. Like you're finding, you're running plays and stuff. And now you're not doing that. And you're 
you're working on your swing mid game. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're mid at, at college ball. You, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. You would wait till you're after the game and figure out what's wrong and just try to get to the game. But now you're thinking and working on stuff to get better. So you can get to the bigger leagues. And so that, that, that was hard for me to adjust. Uh, the wood bats was hard for me to adjust. I'm getting there and I'm learning. I mean, my first at bat, I said, no matter what, I don't care where the ball is. First pitch, I am swinging hard as I can, <laughs> hard as I can. I swung and I fell down. I swung so hard, and I'm sitting there just laughing because this is my first swing of pro ball, and this guy's throwing 97, 96, two seamers running into me. I'm sitting there. I struck out looking. I just started smiling, laughing. I walked back to the dugout. And I said, "Welcome to the big leagues, boys." And and the rest is history, man. It was. It, it, those 16 games were crazy. They were crazy. You know, I love them though. You know, it's, you meet you, the relationships I've created with the guys now. It's, I can't wait to get back on the field with them. You know what I mean? So I'm pretty pumped for whatever the next season, <laughs> whatever the heck's going to happen with everything. So awesome. Hey, la- last couple things I have for you. You did, when you transferred to Michigan, you were film television media studies major. I know you like really like like doing video. Uh, I listened to a previous interview you did where you were talking about like making a pump up video while you were at Lincoln Trail and doing some video stuff. Like, have you had some free time? Have you like worked on you know photography or, or videography during the the downtime? I have actually. You know, I went up to my fiance actually just graduated from Michigan State, and she they didn't have a graduation or anything. So it's like you know I'll be nice. I'll go up there and take photos of her and all her roommates, which I shouldn't have done because it's a lot of girls. And you know how girls are with pictures. You know how guys are with pictures. You know, <laughs> you get one, you're done. I I probably took over a thousand pictures that day. And I, I felt like I kind of got away from it a while. Then I like that kind of brought me back to it. It's like, okay, I can really, I can, I can do this. And then recently I, I really haven't done anything that much lately because I, I don't know. I'm really on my Xbox stuff right now. I don't know why. I actually have a lot of video I want to work on, but I'm still processing. Like, I take a while to process things, like what I want to do, like how I want to make a video. But, you know, I I love doing it. I t- I'm actually making a Thailand video because me and my husband, I got engaged in Thailand, and I had a drone footage, and, of course, I crashed up in a tree, and it's gone. <laughs> I couldn't get it down. And I feel like that really hurt. That really hurt me. But you know, it's it's fun. I love it. You know, it's something different. It just gets you out of the house, put your headphones in, and you just go take pictures or take videos. Well, I mean, I actually got to take videos because there's no games going on or anything. So I've been really just like pulling stuff off YouTube and learning, or getting in contact with our Astro guys. You know, they've been helping me. I remember they had a photo shoot going down in spring training. I'm peeking my head in there looking. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. I like that set up. I got a red camera in there and everything. And so I got talking to the media guy. I'm like, yeah, just come in and hang out with us. You know, I'll teach you stuff. I'm sitting there like, ears pinned back, just listening, smiling. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, this is, they're, you know, the guys are in there dancing. All the big leaguers are dancing to these photo shoots. You got the fog coming. And you know, it, it, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it to see the creation you can make from in 30 seconds. We have some creative staff in Fayetteville. They're they're gonna love you if you end up playing for the. Oh, I know. I can't. I can't wait. That's my goal. You know, as soon as I get up there, I'm on the video camera. I'll tell you that much. 
It's on. I'll be up in the booth with you guys. <laughs> Great video. I'll be in the dugout taking photos or something. Do you do you have uh, like a a better appreciation of like the Astros like video guy that that travels with the team? For our listeners that don't know, there's usually like a, a video guy who works for the Astros who basically just cuts up all the individual at bats, all the player highlights. There's a, there's a huge library where you can go and and see all of your footage. Do you like appreciate the work that those guys do? Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine doing that job. We actually had one at Mi- Michigan. And he would cut it up. All you had to do is just go iPad, search your name, and there's your, all your swings. And you're sitting there like, wait, so there's nine, like, there's nine of us. And then you get to do that for every swing or every pitch. Think that, they break it down by pitches, pitch types, not just, like, fastball. Cur- like, it's insane what they do. Uh, but, you know, that's amazing what these databases can do nowadays. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm beyond blessed with it because then – they're making my life easy. All I got to look at myself and just look like a clown in the box. So, you know, it's, it's simple as that, but you know, I, I'm beyond blessed to have those guys because none of the players games would be there without that. Because I mean, it's so nice to have just to look like, or like when you know, you got that one pitch, like you really got it. You're like, okay, I remember this pitch. What inning, what time. And after the game, you go up to your video guy, like, Hey, can you pull up this time, this, that, bad? Oh, yeah, I got you. There it is. And you're just watching. You're making solid contact. And so it's just it's just nice to have. It's just really nice. It sounds like you have, like, a pitch in mind from last season that you've watched, like, 100 times in a loop this offseason. Are you thinking of one? <laughs> oh, 100%. 100%. It was at – we were playing being Hampton. It was at home. I had two grand slams in two games. It was ball four. It was three and one. Ball four, I started walking. I mean, it was it was really bad. And I said, he caught you like – I looked at him like, what did he call that a strike? I was like, all right. So, next pitch. I mean, this guy just threw me just a meatball. My eyes, like, just got all big and just – just absolutely demolished this ball. I had a grand slam over the left field wall, and I came back to the home play. I just smiled at the top. I said, the ball doesn't lie. The ball don't lie. And he started – he just started shaking his head. But that that was – that's the pitch I'm thinking of right now. All right. Last thing I got before I let you go. Uh, we're, we're chatting on Major League Opening Day. We're going to actually roll this in, for next week's episode. Uh, how excited are you for baseball returning on TV? Like, who are some guys that, that you're just stoked to watch uh, coming up? Coming oh, my up? gosh. I'm excited to watch Springer. And I really, uh, you know, they praise Springer in the, in the organization. and. They really – I've talked to Springer a couple of times, and, you know, I absolutely love Springer. He's – people always say, man, you always remind me of Springer, just your mentality. Like, you goof off a lot. I was like, really? I, I never talked to Springer. So, one day I was sitting there, and somehow we got talking. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this this kid is, like, literally just like we. Like, we just talk. or just talk crap the whole time. Like, you know what I mean? We just goof off and have fun. And I mean – you know, that's one guy, and he's one a freak athlete. You know, he's a freak athlete. I'm most excited to watch him, especially because then I can learn from him. Because then I know I can go out and talk to him um, during spring training next year, and he would help me out. Um, uh, you know, I'm overall just excited just to watch. You know, something going on, on TV, something with live sports going on. So, as overall, I'm just pretty pumped up about it. 
Nice. All right. Well, again, we want to thank our guest, third round pick for the Astros from last year, former Michigan Wolverines outfielder Jordan Brewer. Uh, Jordan, like, make the best of the rest of the offseason. Know you will. Uh, we're rooting for you. And we, I know we get a lot of fans that uh, would be excited to see you in Fayetteville next year. Well, let's make that happen. All right. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Thanks again to this week's guest, Jordan Brewer, the Astros' third-round pick from 2019 and a top-15 prospect in the organization. Looking ahead to next week, we've got another player guest, but a former Woodpecker member of the staff in 2019, right-handed pitcher Cody Deason, who comes out of the University of Arizona, fifth-round draft choice of the Astros in 2018, and one of the impact performances that you might have missed in a stacked system for tall, right-handed power pitchers. Cody Deason uh, flashed some strikeout stuff last season, especially during his time with the Woodpeckers at Segura Stadium. Some of the topics we'll talk with Cody, catch up on his offseason and where he's been staying and hold up in Arizona. He's recovering uh, from an injury, so this canceled season has come at a bit of a fortunate time from a certain perspective, you could say for him, much like this week's guest, Jordan Brewer. Talk about his experience in the College World Series as a freshman and his connections all across the Astros farm system. There are a ton of former University of Arizona products in the system right now uh, that Cody Deason has a lot of familiar faces from his college days to catch around the organization. So thanks again to Jordan Brewer. Next week, we'll have Cody Deason on as one of our two guests. We're going to get back to the two-guest format when we return. And the last thing to catch up on before we wrap our Woodpecker's virtual season check-in with the help of Out of the Park Baseball 21. Woodpecker's in the virtual season have gone 3-2 and two in the last week. They're now 54-50 overall, a game over 500 in the second half. They sit one and a half back of first place Myrtle Beach in the Carolina League Southern Division standings. In the virtual season, Christian Javier is still somehow in the Carolina League. The numbers aren't that ridiculous if we project what he would be doing in single-A baseball right now, especially with the performance that we saw in the real world on Wednesday facing maybe the best lineup in baseball with the Dodgers. Javier, in the virtual season, just in the month of July, he's Carolina League Pitcher of the Month. He went 6-0 and with a .24 ERA, struck out 59 in 37 and a third innings. He leads the league with an ERA just over two, an ERA plus of 219, which means he is 119% better by ERA than the league average pitcher. He is tied for the league lead with 10 wins, averaging 13.7 Ks per nine and a six and a half K to walk ratio. The best in the league. Woodpeckers have really been anchored by Javier's dominant performance in our virtual season. Anibal Sierra uh, has had a hot week, seven for his last 20 with two home runs in the previous week in which the Woodpeckers went three and two. Woodpeckers most recently lost the game to first place Myrtle Beach, but have a series with them throughout the remainder of the weekend. Uh, they swept a three-game series on the road in Winston-Salem prior to this week. 
Uh, so a 3-2 and two week for the Woodpeckers in the OOTP 21 season. So looking ahead to next week with our conversation with right-hander Cody Deason. Last year, a right-handed pitcher for the Fayetteville Woodpeckers in the second half. Reminder again, to help us out, like, share, and subscribe. Leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. We had a couple new ratings come through in the past week, so appreciate our regular listeners out there helping push the podcast, promote it. Share it with your friends that are Astros fans, Woodpeckers fans, folks out of the military base in Fort Bragg. Uh, help spread the podcast. Keep in touch with the Woodpeckers. Uh, this season. Uh, the Woodpeckers team store, by the way, is now open again with limited hours. If you're interested in that, check out at Woodpeckers NC, all the social media channels you can visit in person for pickup uh, to get your Woodpeckers gear as well for our fans in Fayetteville. So that's it for episode number 12. We'll be back for lucky number 13 next week with right-hander Cody Deason. I'm Matt Dean, broadcaster for the Fayetteville Woodpeckers, signing out on episode number 12 of the Woodpeckers Baseball Podcast.